Friends, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine that God has come to your house and he's knocked on your front door. And you, you're, you know, you're a polite person, and so you let him in, and you sit down in your lounge room for coffee, and uh, given that God's at your place, uh, everyone's showed up, everyone wants to see God and meet him, and after small, some small talk, God gets around to the business. And out of everyone in the room, he looks you right in the eye, and he says, I'm going to let you ask me one question. You can ask me whatever you want, and I'll answer it. You've got one question. What would you ask? I've got some silly things I'd like to know the answer to. Uh, What does the K in Kmart stand for? Uh, When you're at a movie theatre, which armrest is yours? Some silly things, but silly things aside, I think we'd all ask something a little bit closer to heart, wouldn't we? Why'd that baby have to die? Why, Why do you put up with such violence and wickedness all over the world? You've got one question. What would you ask? In our verses this morning, a man comes up to Jesus and he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now that is a great question. Out of all of our questions, we all want to know the answer to this one. There's nothing trivial about this man's question, is there? And it's this question that drives everything else that comes in our verses that we're looking at. The entire discussion spills out of this question, how do I inherit eternal life? Let's have a look at how it starts in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a big question, isn't it? And we want to know the answer, but the motives of the law expert were dubious. Luke tells us that he stood up to test Jesus. So how did Jesus go? How did he respond? Verse 26, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? So what was meant to be a test for Jesus has now turned out to be a test for the lawyer. Uh, Now he's got to answer some questions. So how did he go? Verse 27, he answered... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. So the expert in the law got it right. According to the law, obedience to the commandments results in eternal life. However, the expert in the law failed in putting Jesus to the test. So he has another go. Verse 29. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? It's like he's saying, oh sure Jesus, it's one thing to say love God with all you've got, because we know who God is, we can have a good go at loving him, but when the law says love your neighbour, well to be honest it's a bit vague about who my neighbour is, so Jesus, who is my neighbour, that I might love him and have eternal life? Now, it's important to see that we're still dealing with the expert in the law's original question. We are still in the mix of finding out how to inherit eternal life. First off, it's love God and love your neighbour, but now we're just trying to establish the identity of the neighbour. So do you see how it works? How do I inherit eternal life? Well, love God and love your neighbour. But who is my neighbour? Who is my neighbour that I might love him and so inherit eternal life? And in answer to this question, Jesus told a parable. 
very famous parable. Uh, There was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, so that means he's a Jew. And this Jew gets beaten up. He's left half dead by robbers and a priest walks by but doesn't help him. A Levite walks by, doesn't help him. But then a Samaritan, a sworn enemy of the Jew, he walks by and the Samaritan takes pity on the Jew and he bandages his wounds, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, pays completely for his care. And Jesus then asks the expert in the law, so who was the neighbour? And the lawyer puts two and two together. Look down at the bottom, verse 37. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And the parable is a remarkable story, isn't it, of a man stopping at nothing to rescue an enemy. And what's the take-home value for us today? Well, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? We're to be the people who love even our enemies. We're to be the people who love not just our friends and not just the people we like. We're to stop at nothing to help even those who are our enemies. We're to love everyone and we're to help people who are in need. We're to be like the Good Samaritan. That's what we're meant to learn from this parable. Which means that the way we inherit eternal life is by being like the Good Samaritan, by helping people in need. Remember how this parable fits into its context? How do I inherit eternal life? Well, love God and love your neighbour. But who is my neighbour? Who is my neighbour that I might love him and so inherit eternal life? If the point of the parable is that we're meant to be like the Good Samaritan, then eternal life is gained by helping people in need. If we're good to others, we get to go to heaven. We can work our way to eternal life. And that's just plain wrong. If that's true, then why did Jesus die? And if we can work our way to eternal life by being good then why, just eight chapters later, when a different man asks Jesus the exact same question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In Luke 18, Jesus' own conclusion is that with people, this is impossible. Jesus says there, we simply can't be good enough for eternal life. So does Jesus change his mind between chapters 10 and chapters 18? But what about the parable? Doesn't it say that we're meant to be like the Good Samaritan? Or is the parable actually not about us being like the Good Samaritan? Can we tell from the parable itself that Jesus isn't saying that we work our way to eternal life? Yes, we can tell that. We just need to take a closer look. So we're going to do two things now. First, we're going to look at what the parable is not saying. And then we'll have a look at what the parable is saying. The first thing to notice about what the parable is not saying, the parable is not trying to find out how to act like a good neighbour. I'll say that again. The parable is not trying to find out how to act like a good neighbour. The law expert did not ask, which neighbour am I meant to copy? Now, the point of the parable is to find out the identity of the lawyer's neighbour. The law expert asked, Who is my neighbour? Jesus' question at the end of the parable is, who was the neighbour to the man? It's all about identifying the neighbour, not copying him. 
The second thing to notice about what the parable is not saying is that the expert in the law is not meant to see himself as the good Samaritan. Just think about the big picture for a moment. The expert in the law is asking Jesus, how do I get eternal life? And so Jesus tells a story about a man who's given life. But it's the half-dead man who's given life, not the good Samaritan. The lawyer's meant to see himself as the half-dead man. And you can also see this because the lawyer asks the question about who his neighbour is. And so Jesus tells a story about a man who finds out who his neighbour is. It's the half-dead man who finds out who his neighbour is. The expert in the law is meant to see himself as the half-dead man, not the Samaritan. So what's the upshot of all this? What isn't the parable saying? Well, the parable's not saying that the expert in the law should be like the good Samaritan. The Samaritan is not the one the lawyer is meant to copy. So what is the point of the parable? What is it saying? Well, let's take it from the beginning. Uh, At the start of their conversation, Jesus agrees with this expert in the law that obeying the law can get you eternal life. Look at verse 27. Verse 27 again, the lawyer says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. So at least in theory, obeying the law was a means to eternal life. Problem is, of course, no one can, no one does love the Lord their God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. And no one can love their neighbour as themselves all the time. And Jesus knows that people can't fully obey God's law. And so in the parable itself, Jesus demonstrates that the law is actually a dead end for eternal life. Sure, in theory it works, but in practice, the law leaves you for dead. Remember the parable? You've got a Jew. He gets beaten up. He's left half dead. Who should walk by? Look at verse 31. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So the priest... The one who performs the sacrifices of the law, the one who is meant to teach the law, the priest does nothing to help the man. Verse 32. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now the Levites were the tribe from which the priests came. And what does the Levite do for the half-dead Jew? Again, nothing. So the priest and the Levite, those who represent the law... They do nothing to save the life of the man. In other words, the law can't bring life. That's what this parable is saying. Trying to be good, trying to obey God's law, it will not get you eternal life. Which is really bad news for this expert in the law. Because remember, he wants to rely on observing the law to get eternal life. But the first point of the parable is that God's own law will leave you for dead in terms of getting eternal life, because you cannot be good enough to get eternal life. You can't obey God well enough. The lawyer needs a better neighbour in order to inherit eternal life, and as we know, a better neighbour comes. What is it, uh, who is this neighbour to the expert in the law? Well, what does the parable say? Well, to his great shock, the Jewish lawyer finds that his neighbour is the Samaritan. Verse 33, but a Samaritan... As he travelled, 
came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. Now just try and put yourself in the shoes of that original uh, expert in the law. This would have been really surprising and probably awful for him to hear. Because the Jews and the Samaritans, they hated one another. There was a lot of bad blood between them. And it ran very deep. And yet in the parable, it's this hated enemy, the Samaritan, who stops at nothing to help this half-dead Jew. It's like being helped by a Queenslander. (laughs) Clearly, the Samaritan is the neighbour. This is the neighbour the lawyer needs to love in order to inherit eternal life. For the lawyer, eternal life is gained by loving the enemy who shows him mercy to bring him life. I've made up a parallel story that follows the flow of Jesus' parable and I'm hoping that you'll find it helpful in seeing how Jesus' parable works. My story follows exactly the same structure as Jesus' parable. It's a conversation between two people and uh, the first person says... There it is. Uh, Love your friend. Who is my friend? Al forgot to bring his lunch. It's based on a trick story. Uh, Rob didn't share his lunch with Al. Jim didn't share his lunch with Al. But Tony did. Who was a friend to Al? Tony. Therefore, the person who shares their lunch with you is your friend. So love the person who shares their lunch with you. See how it works? He's told to love his friend. He wants to know who his friend is. So he's told a story where the person who shares their lunch is the friend. So he's meant to love the person who shares their lunch. Jesus' parable follows exactly the same structure. I've summarized it as follows. It keeps all the essential bits. Love your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? A Jew got beaten up. The priest didn't help him. The Levite didn't help him. But the Samaritan, his enemy, did. Who was a neighbor to the Jew? The Samaritan. Therefore, the enemy who saves your life is your neighbor. So love the enemy who saves your life. For the lawyer, eternal life is gained by loving his enemy who shows him mercy to bring him life. And who is this enemy, this neighbour to the expert in the law? Well, can you think of anyone in Luke's gospel who acts like the Good Samaritan? Someone who has the Jewish leaders as his enemies and yet acts mercifully toward them that they might have eternal life? Is there anyone in Luke's gospel that might fit that bill? It's obvious, isn't it? Jesus is the Good Samaritan. In Luke 4 and 6, we learn that the experts in the law want to kill Jesus. In chapters 22 and 23, we watch the experts in the law have Jesus killed. In Luke, Jesus and the experts in the law, they're enemies. And yet Jesus died to give eternal life to others. He died for the likes of this expert in the law. He died for the likes of you and me. Because the expert in the law, and you, and me... We can't be good enough for God, and yet Jesus died so that sins would be forgiven. Do you remember right at the start what kickstart this conversation all off? Uh, the expert in the law was asking what he must do to inherit eternal life. Well, at the end, Jesus tells him what he must do. 
After telling the parable where the lawyer is to see himself as the half-dead man, Jesus then asked the question, verse 36, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Verse 37, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. In other words, be like the half-dead man. Because remember, that's who the lawyer is meant to see himself as in the parable. You want to know what to do for eternal life. This is what you need to do. Be like the half-dead man. Recognize you can't save yourself. That you can't be good enough to inherit eternal life. And love your neighbor who is your enemy and yet still has mercy on you. This parable is all about how Jesus is the one who gives eternal life and that we don't do anything to inherit eternal life. We can't be good enough. We can't be obedient enough. If you're sitting there and you're thinking that if you just be a good person, God will be happy with you. If you think that since you've been going to church for decades, you know, you're a good Presbyterian and your parents were good Presbyterians. Please realize that means nothing when it comes to gaining eternal life. All the things we do, all the heritage we could care to point to, none of it changes the fact that we are sinners who need to be saved. Like the half-dead man in the parable, we can't save ourselves. Eternal life is all about Jesus and not about what we do. Which is why immediately after the parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke puts this little incident at the home of Mary and Martha. As I read from verse 38, look for who's trying to do things to make Jesus happy and look for who does nothing to try to make Jesus happy and see who Jesus commends. Verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary's chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Hear Jesus' words? Only one thing is needed, and that's Jesus. For eternal life, there's only one thing that's needed, and it's Jesus. So don't try and wash up your way to heaven. Don't try and work your way into God's good books. Don't try and be a good person and expect that that'll be good enough for God. And don't be offended when Jesus says that you're helpless and you cannot save yourself. You cannot be good enough for God. Don't be offended by what it just love him. Because he died to save us from sin and to give us eternal life. Just sit at his feet. And lap up everything he has to offer. Because for eternal life, there is only one thing that is needed. And it's Jesus. Let me pray.
Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that Jesus is the good Samaritan. Thank you that he would willingly be merciful and gracious. He would save even those who are his enemies. Father, thank you that you've demonstrated your love for us in this, that even while we were still sinners, your son died for us. Thank you for the free gift of eternal life that comes in him. And so, Father, we pray that we would only ever sit at his feet, lap up everything he has to offer, that we might be the ones who have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and only through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.